ago, made the comment that <clears throat> that I only have one sermon in me a week, <laughs> and I did a wedding yesterday, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> you all uh, are going to be the beneficiaries of <clears throat> my study for that, uh, that wedding, uh, if it's not the exact sermon that uh, I, I preached at the wedding, which... <clears throat> Um, yeah, I just won't, I, I just won't go there. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I want to talk with you this morning about emotions. It seems that to me, I've grown up in the Southern Baptist Church all my life, and it seems that the church, as I know it, is scared of emotions. Seems that emotions, okay, we acknowledge that they're there. Um, they're a part of our lives. Most of us wish, wish they, they weren't. Um, and we kind of keep them in the corner like a rowdy child. Just, they're over there, we ignore them. Um, if they get out of hand, we have to stop and take care of them. But otherwise, they're over there, leave them alone, and hopefully uh, they'll, they'll take care of themselves. And that actually creates a very... <clears throat> bad uh, emotional health in the church. Um, it, it doesn't make for, for very robust people. Um, you know, uh, you, you can't love God with all your heart if emotions are viewed as, as being bad or if emotions are just kept in a corner. Um, it's, in fact, I would go so far, it's impossible it's impossible for us to obey the command of Jesus to love the Lord of God, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we keep emotions in the corner, if we only view them as part of the problem and not part of a solution, um, then, then we can't obey the command that God has commanded us to love him. And in fact, we go so far as to, as to say joy isn't an emotion. We, we actually separate it out. We drain it from its emotional meaning so that way it can be fit to be in church. When, when joy actually, is there more to joy than emotion? Yes, but if you don't have emotion of joy, you don't have joy. That's like the doorway into understanding joy. Emotion is the doorway to understanding love itself. My wife doesn't want me to love her out of duty. She wants me to love her from my heart. So how do we handle emotion? Scripture, emotions are all over Scripture. You want to know why? Because emotions are all over people. Emotions are constantly coming. God made us emotional beings. All right. Even a scientist who is supposed to be objective is emotional. God made us emotional beings as well as intellectual beings. So in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, is a keen and insightful verse about human emotion. It says, Guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. 
Now, I've always thought about that as a, a, uh, like a spring that is always coming out, always flowing, but that's not what the text says. The text says guard. You don't guard a spring because you're afraid of what comes out of it. You can't help what comes out of it. But a pool, a reservoir, you, you can guard a reservoir. You can guard a pool. So your heart is a reservoir. It stores up stuff. And then everything you are comes out of it. So let's pretend for just a moment that this picture of tea is your heart. What's in here, you're responsible for. What comes out of here, you're responsible for. Now, I say that with one caveat. There might be things in here that you couldn't control. There might We live in a broken world. And there are things that happen to us that we can't control that are beyond our ability to abstain from. On the other hand, there are probably things in here that you could have controlled and you just weren't mature enough or wise enough or responsible enough to prevent from coming in. Who you are now as an adult, you are now responsible for everything in here. You are responsible for how you handle the things that were poured into you that you couldn't help. That may mean that you need to get help. It may mean that you need to forgive. It may mean that you have to go talk to someone about what's in there. Because, I don't know about you guys, but our tea pitcher, I probably shouldn't tell you this in case you guys come over and have tea, but our tea pitcher doesn't always get cleaned out real well before we start the new batch. So over time, what happens? Well, over time, it starts to stain, doesn't it? And you've got to get the dawn, you've got to get the scrubber, and you've got to scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub. And that's what Jesus will do. If you let him. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But Jesus does bring healing. So don't let the emotions that are in your heart because of what someone else has done to you stay in the corner. Because it'll rot. It'll fester and it will pollute everything else that's in your heart. So guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. You are responsible for what's in your heart, and you are responsible for what comes out of your heart. I, I enjoyed, um, in, in, in seminary, the, the counseling, uh, classes, and uh, one of the books we read 
had a really good illustration. He said, your emotions are like the warning light on the dashboard. The warning light isn't the problem. It's telling you of a problem. So you get into the truck and it is flashing at you with check engine light or um, low tire pressure or whatever. If you just go and cut the circuit to turn off the light, you didn't fix it. If you ignore it, it's just going to get worse. When you have emotions that are coming out of your heart that aren't good, it means you need to go look and see what's hiding in the crevices. God wants us, and he wants all of us. So how do we keep this full and full of goodness? Because here's what happens. I've got to pour into many different things. All right? So we'll just go with, with my wife. I fill her up, pour into her, love her, help her, teach her, be there for her. What's coming out? What's actually coming out as I'm pouring? Am I pouring into her good things or bad things? Guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. I have my children. Right now, my children have one love language. That's play. Daddy, will you play with me? Daddy, will you play trucks with me? Well, play and tickling. They love to be tickled. All right. Daddy, will you tickle me? What am I pouring into my children? What am I teaching them? I only have three cups, so we're only going to go with three. These are... Uh, Mark Twain Riverboat from Hannibal, Missouri. Reminisce from, from college days, I guess. I have a church that I pour out into on a weekly basis. As I pour out myself, and as you pour out yourself into your family, into your work, into your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, what's coming out? What comes out of here has everything to do with what you're putting in there. Guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. What we do is we have to be filled up from something. Where are you going for that source? What is being poured into you? If you're responsible for what's in your heart, you're responsible for what comes out, where do you go to get filled? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, the apostle writes this, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Meaning, God remains with this person. God lives with this person. You've heard of the word, my abode, my house, my dwelling place. God makes his home with the person who confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. 
So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. There's a connection. You, you live with God and God lives with you. You're, you dwell with this person. They are a part of your life day in and day out. And then he says this. We love because he first loved us. If you're not pouring good things in, you're not going to get good things out. He loved, we love because he first loved us. Meaning, if you're not connected to the God of love, don't expect love to come out. Jesus is the source of life. He is the source of love. He is the source of goodness. So are we going to abide in him? Are we going to be connected with the God of love? How do you connect with this God? See, here's where the church answers come in. I pray. I read my Bible. I go to church. Those are good things. And you need to do them. And guess what? They are the answer. Those are the answer, but guess what? You can do those things and still miss it. Because we can do those things with a lid on. We can do those things to get them done. It's like trying to be filled up with a lid on us. How do you, you got to take the lid off. If you want to be filled with the love of God, take your lid off. Open yourself up. Say, God, I'm yours. Feed me. Teach me. Come dwell with me. That is what the Sermon on the Mount is about. We are studying the Sermon on the Mount, and as I read it over and over again, I'm shocked at how behavior-focused it is. And it bothered me. Really, it did. It bothered me how behavior-focused Jesus was when I know that salvation is not through works, it's through faith. So what was I missing? Well, it turns out quite a lot. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is talking about righteousness. He's not talking about righteousness through behaviors and outward obedience, but a righteousness that comes from the heart. Guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. You know that God doesn't just want your obedience. 
God doesn't just want your confession. God doesn't just want your church attendance. God doesn't want you to just clean up your mouth. God doesn't want you to just take care of your family. God wants your heart. He wants to fill your heart with goodness. He wants to fill your heart with love. He wants to fill your heart with righteousness. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, we'll probably be talking about this passage next week. Your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. Now, for us, we know the Pharisees were the hypocrites. But in Jesus' day, the Pharisees were considered the most righteous among the people. They were the ones who obeyed the law of Moses to the T. They would count their steps on the Sabbath to make sure they didn't take an extra step and break it. They would be diligent to measure all of their offerings. So they gave the exact amount. They would make rules so that they would make sure to stay far away from breaking God's law. God's line's here. We're going to draw another line here just to make sure we don't disobey God. We don't want to break his commandments. And Paul says, I commend them in their zeal, but they've missed it. Jesus goes into the law and he says, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. And I tell you, anyone who hates his brother has committed murder in his heart. Jesus is correcting their understanding of righteousness. We don't dress up our sinful nature with good deeds. It's like taking Velcro and or a stapler and stapling paper fruit onto an apple tree and said it bared fruit. It's got to come from within. True righteousness comes from the heart and it flows out of us. Why? How? Because inside is good. God's filled us with his goodness. But what happens is as we seek, we seek to be full. We seek to be satisfied. We seek purpose and meaning. You see, what, what we do is we have these pastimes or a hobby or something we enjoy. Work, time with family, watching sports, um, having a drink. And we take those instances where we feel rest and at peace and and full and satisfied and content. And so we go back to that thing. And then we go back to it again. And pretty soon, it becomes what we're trying to fill ourselves with. And that's how addictions start. And that's how idols are erected.
true righteousness comes from within because God has filled us with it. Because we have faith in Christ. We confess Jesus is the Son of God. We go to him to be filled. We don't go to him as just an action that needs to happen because I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to do it because I need it. I'm empty and I need to be filled. Righteousness is a matter of the heart. It's not just a matter of behavior. It's not just a matter of obedience. It's interesting, in Romans, Paul indicts the Jews, his Jewish kinsmen. And he he says that they are trying to establish their own righteousness. So God gave them his law. And they took the law and tried to make themselves righteous by the law. When they were supposed to submit to God's law and submit to God's power to save them. God didn't give his people his commandments so they can save themselves. He gave him his commandments so that as they have faith in his power, faith in his saving ability, they are filled from within and they know what God's expectations of them are. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. We don't rely on ourselves for our good deeds. We don't rely on ourselves for our righteous actions. We don't rely on ourselves for our goodness. We trust in God. We submit to his ability to save us. We submit to his power. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. It's not about establishing our own righteousness, but submitting to God in faith. Being connected to him and letting the righteousness that he fills us with to flow out of us. See, what I did as I was reading through the Sermon on the Mount, and it's like God just raises the standard. It's like, God, I thought Jesus came to get rid of, 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 of the standard. There's, there's now no longer a test to get into the kingdom. Well, no, there's not a test in the sense of a final exam. But there is a litmus test. There is a placement exam. Meaning, you can go and read through the Sermon on the Mount and say, this is the picture of true righteousness. What do I look like? What do I see coming out of my heart? Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who claims Jesus is their homeboy is going to be in heaven. Not everyone who says Jesus is my savior is going to be in heaven. Not everyone who said that 
sinner's prayer is going to be in heaven. Not everyone who's been baptized is going to be in heaven. Who is going to enter the kingdom of heaven? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The reason that Jesus has such a high level of righteousness is because it's not a righteousness you can staple on to a tree and say, see, the tree is good. It's a righteousness that has to come from within. It cannot be faked. It has to be true and it has to be genuine. It's got to be what comes out of the heart. Anything less rots. Guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. How are you doing guarding what comes in here? You might need to examine the dark places in your heart. The emotions that come when someone disrespects you or a nerve is hit. Have the self-awareness to notice that and examine it. Is this a sign of festering mold in my heart? And if so, how do you take care of it? Jesus says to his disciples, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Truth has a cleansing power. So are you filling yourself up with truth? Are you going to God to be filled? Or are you going to him to staple fruit of righteousness on your tree to make you think that you're doing righteous things. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, that you don't just ask us to do righteousness. Lord, you work righteousness within us. Lord, because Jesus came and died on the cross for us, Father, you work a miracle in us. That you offer yourself to fill us. You offer to come live with us to make your home with us. And we can always be connected to the true source of life. So we can always go to you to be filled. Filled with goodness, filled with righteousness, filled with love. So that we can pour out righteousness and goodness and love to others. Lord, I pray that you would plant this seed of truth deep within us. Lord, so that it would grow and produce righteousness without which no one won't see you. And we will be those who do your will and not just people who say we know you. Lord, I ask that you would do this to glorify yourself through the church and for the good of your church. Amen. All right, we have a time of response.